G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Today with Jeff Vines, author, pastor, apologist and Bible teacher with a straight-talking message from the Word. And Jesus says, I will take the overwhelming experiences of being condemned so that you can be free from all condemnation. Today with Jeff Vines. Hello and welcome. Thanks for joining me again on Today with Jeff Vines. Now, we're still in the Remarkable series, looking at the book of Mark. And in this episode, Pastor Jeff is continuing his message about life-changing love. We're in Mark chapter 10, verse 35, where Jesus is trying to get his message through to James and John, but they're not quite getting it. Let's continue now with Pastor Jeff. Folks, this is where the Christian message is absolutely distinct from primitive religions. People will come to me and say, Pastor Jeff, if you think about it, Christianity is no different than all the other old religions. You got wrath, justice, debt, and punishment. But folks, before Jesus came, there was absolutely no concept whatsoever of a God who would pay the penalty on our behalf. Wrath, yes, it was there. But a God who would enter time and space and suffer so that we could go free was unheard of. The disciples, to tell you the truth, aren't really that slow. It's just unfathomable to them that God would ever leave his throne and die a painful and gruesome death that you and I could go free. They just didn't get the fact, no matter how many times Jesus said it, that after Jesus died on the cross, that the world comes right side up and the clock starts to tick backwards. What do I mean by that? Well, Tim Keller in King's Cross mentions the illustration from C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And there's a classic line where the writer says, when a willing victim who had committed no treachery was killed in a traitor's stead, the table would crack and death itself would start working backward. What does that mean? It means that as you and I live, we're not going one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, the end. That's not our lives. Because of what Jesus did, the clock is ticking down. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. New life. The life for which we've always waited. It's new life. Everything's reversed now. And we might be getting older, but the clock is ticking. And it's going 10, 9, 8, and one day we'll all step through that doorway. And it'll be the doorway to the life we've always wanted. Now, the Zebedee boys just aren't getting it. Jesus has explained it, that real life-changing love is always substitutionary sacrifice. 
And because they haven't got it, he makes a second statement. And it's in the second statement that it becomes clear how you and I are to live. Before I get to his response, I finally found a photo online of my high school basketball coach. I talk about him all the time. But this is Lynn Duggar, Coach Lynn Duggar. This was my high school basketball coach. Now, when Coach Duggar first came to Elizabethan High School, he was 30 years old. And the second day of him taking the job, we were in basketball practice and I was changing in the dressing room. He came and took a seat beside me and he said, Jeff, uh, can I have a moment? Yes, coach. Jeff, why is it, and this is important, he said, and this is one of the, these are two of the greatest influences, influencers in my life right here. And he said, why do you play the game? Why do you play basketball? Why do you want to be on the basketball team? Now, I'm 16 years old. So you know the honest response is what? So the girls will notice me. That, that's why men do anything. And so, but you know, he got me to open up a little bit and really think about it. And he said, no, Jeff, this is important. You're the captain of the team and your response is going to determine everybody else's response. Why do you play this game? And he got me to really think about it. And I said, well, tell you the truth, coach, I play it because my family is not really that well off and I would really like a division one basketball scholarship so I can go to university. He looked at me and he said, okay, as if, okay. And it kind of excited me. He said, is that really what you want? And I said, yeah. He said, okay, here's what we're going to do. You meet me here every morning at 6.30 before school and we're going to spend an hour in the weight room and then I'm going to take you out to the track and you're going to run 500-yard sprints under the time I give you. You're going to run two 220s. Wasn't good at math. You're going to run two 440s. You're going to run an 880 and you're going to run a mile under six minutes. And then I'm going to take you over to C Street with ankle weights and I'm going to be standing at the top of the hill and you're going to run and you're going to do it under time. And if you don't make it, you're going to go back down to the bottom and run it again. And we're going to do that every morning at 6.30. And then you're going to have basketball practice in the afternoon after school. And I think, I'm not sure, but I think that you may have enough ability. If you put in the hard work, you might can make it. So I played baseball. I was a pretty good first baseman. (laughs) That was Coach Duggar's way of saying to me, you have no idea what you're asking. <laughs> That's exactly what Jesus says to the Zebedee brothers when they say, can we sit one on your right and one on your left? And Jesus responds by saying, you don't know what you're asking. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? Now remember, cup is a Hebrew symbol for the wrath of God exacted on injustice. Okay? And baptism is a Greek symbol for being totally immersed in some experience. So Jesus is saying, can you be totally immersed in the wrath of God for the sins of the world? And you know why he said that, right? We all talk about how good and loving God is. Now stay with me. God is good. God is loving. Love, God loves us. He's the big coach in the sky. He's the man upstairs. He loves us and he does. But he's also holy and righteous and pure. And the Bible says that because of that holiness, your sin and my sin means that we're the objects of his wrath. We may not like it and we may complain, but it doesn't change the reality. God must separate himself from all sin and exact wrath upon that sin. But the other thing is that God loves us and wants to forgive us and bring us into relationship. How can he possibly remain true to both sides? He can't remain true to one and violate the other. That's not the nature of God. And it's beautiful, isn't it? Isn't the gospel beautiful? How does he do it? He sends what is most precious to him, his only son, and takes all the wrath 
meant for your sin and mine and pours it out on his son on the cross, which is why Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And all the sins of the world go on the shoulders of Christ. The holy requirements of God have been met in that sin has been punished. The requirements of God's love have been met in that he sent his only son to do it on our behalf. And Jesus says, I will take the overwhelming experiences of being condemned so that you can be free from all condemnation. And do you know why, by the way? Oh, you do. I know you do. And you're going to say it with me with vigor and passion. Here we go. One, two, three. Because all real life changing love is substitutionary sacrifice. Now, what did the disciples say when Jesus asked them, are you able to drink the cup? Are you able to be immersed in this wrath? What did they say? We can do it. That's what they said, because they still had no idea. And then Jesus gives the second response. And in doing so, he shows us how to live by taking the example of how he's already done it. Jesus called them together and said, and you can see Jesus' frustration. Boys, come here. Come, come here. Come over here. You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whatever wants, whoever rather wants to be great among you, must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now stay with me. You with me? Almost done. Now I'm really going to go deep into the bag here. How many of you remember the Andy Griffith show? <laughs> You're kidding. Hold on. That many? Raise them high. I, oh, look at that. My father's show before he died was the Andy Griffith show. And out of the 323 whatever episodes, he had his favorite episode. He would actually film six hours of this back in the old VCR days. Now, you young people, that's a little square box. It goes in. Then never mind. And he would send that to me in Africa, and I could watch the Andy Griffith Show in Zimbabwe. His favorite episode, though, was when Andy had to go up to Mount Pilot to testify, and he had to leave Barney in charge of Mayberry for three hours in one afternoon. And Barney was frustrated, remember, because Barney says, and for those of you who don't know the show, Barney's kind of a, he's on a power trip. He's got one gun, he got a bullet he has to keep in his pocket because he keeps accidentally shooting people. And he's just kind of about power and authority. So he says, tell the truth, Sheriff Taylor. You don't believe I can keep peace in Mayberry for three measly little old hours? And of course, you can tell by the facial expressions on Andy Taylor that he does not believe that he can do it, but he's forced to go. So he leaves Barney in charge. He returns from Mount Pilot and Barney's out on that porch with those lips out and that look he gives. And the music's going what? Remember that? Okay. So he's out there on the porch. Sheriff Taylor returns and he says, well, it's real quiet outside. It's really quiet in Mayberry. And Barney says, tell the truth now, Sheriff Taylor. You didn't think I could do it. You didn't think I could keep peace in Mayberry for three measly little hours. And Andy says, well, I got to confess to you. If if truth be told, I really think. And then he opens the door and the whole town (laughs) has been arrested. Barney arrested the whole town, even his mother, which is the only episode she makes an appearance on, I believe. (laughs) Now, here's the thing. I'm sure Jesus, if the Andy Griffith show was pre 1 BC, would have used this example because he's trying to communicate to the disciples, this is the way the world tries to influence others through power and control and authority. These are their vehicles of influence, but he says, it's not so with you. You're not going to live your life like that. For you, it's going to be a totally different route in gaining influence. And it's not through power and control. There's going to be a totally different approach, one that changes hearts, not just tries to force people into a certain political, economic, or worldview. Now, here's the thing. It's not like this is new. 
It's the same thing happened in Jeremiah's day. Stay with me. Hananiah, a false prophet, when the Hebrews were taken into Babylonian captivity, Hananiah said to the Hebrews, don't move into Babylon. It's a pagan city. It's a horrible culture. Pray against it. Pray that God would curse it. Don't marry their women and their daughters. Don't have anything to do with them. Just stay outside because we say the day's coming when God's going to allow us to rise to the top and rule over Babylon. We're going to own Babylon one day. So pray and curse against it. Jeremiah, the true prophet of God, here's Hananiah doing that. And he sends a little letter over to the people of Israel. And in the letter, it's so beautiful. He says, this is the real reverse. This is the real, real revealed word of God for an exilic community. And it's, it ends up being the, the, the letter by which Daniel will live his life. And here's what Jeremiah says. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Now you have to understand this would have been absolutely shocking, incredibly counter intuitive. He says, seek the peace, the shalom. And that's more than just a greeting, folks. It means total well-being, multidimensional well-being, blessing and fulfillment, spiritual, physical, even economic and material blessing. God is saying to his people, don't avoid them. Go in there, make it a better place, make it safe, make it prosperous, help those people who are in need and let those Babylonians see what happens when the people of God move to town. Bring blessing. Jesus says, be so sacrificially loving with your life that the people around you who don't even believe what you do can't even imagine what the city would be like without you. They'll trust you because they see that you're not only out for yourself, you're out for them too. They'll voluntarily begin to look up to you because they see the attractiveness of your love and your service. And then it will be an influence given to you by others, not taken by you from others. You see, that's the goal of your life then. Not power, not authority, but self-sacrifice and service because that's the way Christ lived. Think about it. He's on the cross. Remember, he could have called down the 10,000 angels. Instead, what does he do? And this, I believe, is why the Roman soldier said, truly, this is the son of God. Not because of the earthquake, not because of the darkness, but because he heard a man praying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And I'm sure he had seen thousands of crucifixions and never heard a guy pray that prayer. It moved him because somebody cared beyond something other than himself. Tim Keller says, if at the heart of your worldview is a man dying for his enemies, then the way you're going to win influence in a society is through service rather than power and control. And Martin Luther King Jr., uh, one of my favorite persons to quote from, says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Now stay with me. This is the end, the real end. <laughs> now do you see, everyone, why I get so fired up when there's a line at the end of every month for a bumper bag and people who, ha- who need food are getting fed 365 hot meals by Chef Tony and his volunteers that many of them will say it's the best meal they have all month, that there's a prayer tent that Pastor Jose runs and people come in there and he'll pray with them. 140 families are fed each weekend or more. 
Do you see why I get so fired up at the bread runners ministry where people are fighting terminal illnesses or where they've had medical conditions that are ongoing? Do we have 60 cooks and we'll have food delivered to all these homes every week, every day of every week? Do you see why I get so fired up at our house to home where we've got these dilapidated homes by single parents and they don't have the money to repair them. We've got little children running around. So our team of construction workers go over there, man, and they start repairing. They start building over 27 projects in the last 18 months. We've got one going on this weekend. And one of those projects, a wounded warrior, and he was really at a bad time in his life, needed help, needed assistance. We went over and gave an extreme makeover to his home. He was so grateful. And we were grateful because of the sacrifice he gave his country. Now you think about all of that. You see why I get fired up about temporary shelter for people who are on the street and don't have, there are families on the street now, folks, families with little kids. And you know why I get fired up when we can, we can give them a place to stay, food vouchers, we can get them in recovery groups or give them life coaching, give them skills to get off the street. Over 55 families in the last 18 months alone. Do you understand why I get so fired up about that and ripple ministry? We'll go out and actually teach children to go into nursing homes and places where people are hurting and serve them or kaleidoscope where we're going into all these schools and we're being big brothers and big sisters to at-risk children. Here's why. Because it is the way of influence, not through power, not through authority, but through service. And that's when we'll change this valley. I'm glad you're here. But start asking yourself the question, what gifts has God given to me? What is the object of my life? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? And how can I get involved? Wayne Cadero says it best, man. I love this analogy. I use it three or four times a year. Take the bar of steel. If you take this and invest it in nails, hammer and nails, it's worth about six bucks. If you take it and invest it in sewing needles, it'll be worth about 600 if you take it and invest it in cutlery, knives, forks, and spoons, about 6000 But if you take it and you invest this bar of steel in very fine Swiss watch springs, it's worth about $6 million. What changes its worth? That in which it's invested. What do you invest in your life in? Martin Luther King said this, no one really knows why they are alive until they know what they would die for. Jesus knew why he was alive to die for you what would you die for? There's a calling on this church to whom much is given, much is required. And I would pray that you would ask the question of your resources, your time, your energy. Folks, what are you living for? What, what's the objective? When you get to the end of life, what do you want to be able to look back at and say, that's what I have accomplished? What? And the question is, is it eternal or is it temporary? Will it all be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble? Or will it be gold as refined by fire? Everybody has to ask that question. And Jesus says, he who loses his life will find it. Father, thank you for the power of your word in Mark chapter 10. I thank you for the strength and energy this morning to be able to walk out here and deliver this message. Father, I thank you that to whom much is given, much is required. And for the blessings that you've given servants that have served you well here and people who have served you well. And I just pray for our future now that we would take what has been planted and we would go to the nth degree and we would all live our lives for a purpose greater than ourselves is my prayer in the name of Jesus. Amen.
That's the end of Pastor Jeff's message for today, but there is still more to come in this series from the book of Mark. I hope you're getting a lot out of it. Here's some more of what's to come. Some of the sayings of Jesus, not all of them are going to be like nice smooth milk chocolate that just slides down. Some of it's going to be like hard candy. You got to chew on it and suck on it for a while. Today with Jeff Vines. For more from Pastor Jeff, head to vision.org.au forward slash Jeff Vines. Today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.